Good morning. Welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth, meaning, and beauty. I'm Chris Jimerson. I'm Minister for Program Development here at the church, and I have with me Margaret Borden, your wonderful lay leader, this morning. We come from a long tradition of seeing a spark of the divine in every person, and it's in that tradition that I invite you to turn to those around you and greet the holy among us this morning. It's also our tradition in Unitarian Universalist churches to begin our services by lighting a chalice, which is the symbol of our faith. Please open your order of service and join me in saying our words for lighting the chalice, which are printed in your order of service. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Our call to worship this morning is a responsive reading in your bulletin immediately after the order of service. These are our end statements. They flow directly from our mission, and uh, you'll probably see the relationship as we go down the page. First UU Church of Austin is an intentionally hospitable community where... All people are treated with respect and dignity. All people of goodwill are welcomed. People are supported in times of joy and need. People find connection with one another in fellowship. We are fully engaged and generous with time, treasure, and talent. We invite people of goodwill to find a spiritual home with us. We engage as you use in public life. First, UU Church of Austin nourishes souls and transforms lives by engaging and supporting one another in spiritual practice and growth, providing worship, programs, and activities that awaken meaning and transcendence, providing a caring, supportive, and safe place to rekindle the spirit. First UU Church of Austin witnesses to justice in our personal lives and beyond by practicing liberal religious values in the public arena, empowering all people to access the riches of life, providing leadership to the greater UA community to expand the reach of our movement, partnering with the interfaith community to live our shared values. About seven years ago, members of this congregation came together and went through a set of sessions to talk about what differences we felt called to make and for whom in our world. And out of those sessions, we derived a set of religious values, and from those values arose our mission. It's our calling. It's our purpose. And we say it together every Sunday. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Our reading this morning is from Don Markova. I will not die an unlived life. I will not live in fear of falling or catching fire. I choose to inhabit my days, to allow my living to open me, to make me less afraid, 
more accessible, to loosen my heart until it becomes a wing, a torch, a promise. I choose to risk my significance, to live so that, so that which came to me as seed goes to the next as blossom, and that which came to me as blossom goes on as fruit. This is the time in our service where we breathe together. We breathe together. Some of us pray. Some meditate. Some simply concentrate on our breathing, feeling the loving presence of those around us. Breathing together, we follow our breath to a deeper place inside that spark of the divine within each of us. And breathing together, we enter into a moment of silence together, remembering that human sounds and the sounds of small children are a part of the sacred silence in this congregation. Breathing in, breathing out, let us enter that moment of sacred silence together. In a moment when the music begins, I invite you to light candles in our window, candles of hope, joy, sorrow, remembrance. A few weeks ago, several of us from First Unitarian or First UU Church of Austin went over to First UU Church of Houston to be there for Susan Yarborough's ordination. Many of you know Susan. She did her internship recently here at this church, and our church and First UU Church of Houston jointly ordained her into our ministry that evening. During the service, Susan commented about how we often speak of ministers feeling a calling to do ministry, but that truly all of us are called in some way or ways to make a difference in our world. As Susan said that, I was reminded that I have often been intrigued by this idea of people identifying and pursuing a calling, what Joseph Campbell called uh, following our bliss. And I feel really lucky to be able to pursue my own calling here at this church, and especially given that we're in the process now of taking another look at our mission and ends that we read together earlier. And that's really a process of looking at and discerning what differences we as a religious community are called to make together as we move into our future. So I wanted to explore this idea of people feeling a calling a little further. Now, on a whim, I did a journal search, thinking nobody can have done research on this, and I was surprised to find that there have been a number of studies done on people who feel a calling, especially since 2007, where a number of longitudinal studies were launched. That means that they're following people that feel a calling and are pursuing it in life over many, many years to see how it affects them and what happens. So let's start by taking a look at what people mean when they say, I have this calling in life. I feel called to do this. 
Well, calling implies some source that's calling us toward that, right? And it turns out that there are three of them that people talk about when they say they have a sense of calling. And the first is some sort of external source of calling. This is the classic religious calling where somebody feels that God or a divinity is calling them to do something in the world. But importantly, it doesn't have to be a religious or a divine source. It can be love. It can be a sense of connection to humanity. It can be justice. It can be compassion. Other people focus more on an internal source of their call, a voice inside this passion for what it is that they're doing in the world. And then finally, some people talked about how they found themselves doing something in the world, and suddenly it found that they had found found their right fit, their right place, a, a meaningful purpose in the world. Now, these three aren't mutually exclusive, and many people felt their source of calling from all three of them. It's just some emphasize one over the other. Here's something that I found really fascinating. In every case, in every study, people who said they felt a calling, that calling always, always involved helping others in some way or working for the greater good in some way. I ran across a a writer's description of what the difference between doing work that one feels called to do is compared to doing work in which one might find value and even enjoy. He tells the story of three bricklayers who are hard at work, and somebody stops by and asks them what they're doing. Well, the first bricklayer says, I'm putting one brick on top of another. What does it look like I'm doing? The second one says... I'm making sixpence an hour. But the third one, the third one, the one with the sense of calling says, I'm building a cathedral, a house of God, where my community and loved ones will gather together to help each other discover how to create heaven on earth. That's a calling. Now, about a third of the people in the studies felt that they were actually doing a paid job that was answering their calling, and another third felt that they were pursuing their calling in other ways outside of their paying jobs. Besides ministry, some example of the strongest senses of calling involved the helping professions, medicine, the arts, writing, music, volunteerism of all sorts, activism and working for justice, environmentalism, teaching, and I love this one, zookeeping. Zookeepers had one of the strongest senses of callings of all of the professions that have been studied. Now, this is a good point for me to admit that I discovered that I have kind of had this romanticized notion about having a sense of calling and what that means. I kind of thought if we could all just discern what we're called to do in our one precious life on this earth, our one tiny blip in the vastness of forever, well then a great happiness and world peace would ensue and all would be well. So I was even more surprised when I looked at the studies to find that they discovered some downsides downsides to having a calling that we have to be aware of so we can try to avoid them. 
One of them is when a person has a strong sense of calling that they're not able to fulfill right away and they're stuck in a job that doesn't fit their calling, they can develop what's called career tunnel vision. It's where we kind of lose our creative imagination about how we might either repurpose our job or find a different way of doing work in the world that more closely fits with our sense of calling. People with a strong sense of calling could also be exploited by other people who would use that sense of calling to overwork and underpay them. And I think this happens in our nonprofit sector sometimes. People with a strong sense of calling could fall into sort of workaholism where they over-identified with their job role to the detriment of the rest of their life. And then they were also more likely to ignore career advice from more trusted and experienced mentors. I want to put one caveat about these studies out there, too, and that's that they were done with mostly middle and upper class, mostly white U.S. and German citizens. So it may be harder to pursue a calling with you when you have different cultural constraints or when you're struggling in poverty just to put food on the table. But, but I found a very hopeful story when I was looking at this. It was on NPR, and it was about a society um, in in Paraguay um, that was a, an impoverished society that lived beside a landfill, a garbage dump. And a guy named Fabio Chavez visited this, this culture, and he felt called to teach the children in this community how to play musical instruments. So he got some instruments donated, and they got started, but they couldn't get enough donated instruments. So they started going out in the landfield and picking up pieces of things in the landfield and making their own instruments out of that stuff in the garbage dump. Well, they formed an orchestra that played everything from classical music to their own music to old Frank Sinatra tunes. And a documentary filmmaker found out about this and made a, a video promo about it, and money started pouring in. People started building schools and building better housing, and they got real instruments, and many of those kids went on to play in some of the most famous and best orchestras in the world. So... A sense of calling, even in that sort of situation, can have surprising and beneficial results. So I talked a bit about the potential downsides to having a sense of calling, and we have to be aware of those so we can avoid them. But it's important to note that following a sense of calling, discerning that calling and putting it into action can benefit us in a number of ways, and that failing to do so may not be so good for us. Here are some of the benefits to people and their workplace that were found in the studies. Greater job satisfaction. And that was true even if the people were pursuing a calling outside of their job. Greater motivation, innovation, and performance on the job. Decreased absenteeism and reduced stress. People got a sense of connection and community if they were working with others on whatever their calling might be, and they made healthier life choices. They expressed greater life satisfaction and a greater sense of meaning in life. And again, all of these were true, whether the people were pursuing their calling at their paid job or outside of it in some way. And even folks who had discerned a sense of calling but weren't yet able to be doing it much got these same benefits, though not to as big a degree. And conversely, folks who 
didn't have a sense of calling, well, they were correlated with increased depression and lower life satisfaction. There was one story that I just loved. It was a woman who was working in a uh, lower-level customer relations job at a company, um, and she had a sense of calling that she wanted to do design work. So she got her boss to let her volunteer for a committee at the company that was doing design work for their website. And she started to experience greater satisfaction in all areas of her job because she was doing that, especially after she convinced them to let this committee help nonprofits design their websites too. So people can repurpose their jobs in order to follow a sense of calling. So it appears more and more that discerning and answering a calling, a sense of what we are meant to do, what differences we are here to make in our one precious life on this earth, our one tiny blip in the vastness of forever, is important and maybe even vital to us as human beings. It's the way we find meaning and and satisfaction and beauty in our lives. And I think that is true when we come together as a group also, or as a community, and sometimes even as a society. Now, many of you have heard our senior minister, Meg Barnhouse, talk about how right now we're taking a look at our mission and our ends again. We're going to have some sessions, they've already started, called Courage and Wonder, Envisioning Our Future Together. There's one here in the church after the second service today, if you want to go to one. And through these sessions, what we will basically be discerning is what differences in our world we are called to make together as a religious community and for whom we are called to make those differences. That's what our mission really drives us toward. It's our purpose. It's our communal calling with each other. Now, After these sessions, the board will take what you have expressed as our community's calling toward our future together, and they'll discern whether we might need to add something to the mission or change something, tweak it in some way, or they may discover that the mission is just fine as it is and that we need to look at changing those end statements that you all read together earlier. Now, as Margaret said, the ends are how we further define and make more specific the elements of our mission. And in fact, a mission is sometimes called the global end. So the ends specify what it would look like to gather in welcoming community together. They tell us how we would know if we're transforming lives and nourishing souls, what differences we would be making. They guide us in what ways and in what areas we want to go about doing justice in our world. Several years ago, I was on the board, and I got to participate in a similar set of sessions and then to observe some other sessions which we use to come up with this mission statement and the ends that we currently have. And I want to share with you that it was such a powerful and moving experience. In these sessions, one of the things that happens is you get asked to answer some powerful questions. These are questions that are designed to bring out big picture and future-oriented thinking. They're designed to get us not just intellectually thinking about things, but engaging our emotions and spirit also. They help us discern how each of our individual callings might blend together to create a larger calling for all of us as this beloved community. 
Last time, here's one of the powerful questions that they posed to us. They asked us to pair up with someone we didn't know so well, and they said, describe for each other an experience of the holy in your life, a time when you felt connected to something larger than yourself, a time when you felt your heart and mind expand. When did it happen? Who was there? What happened? What made the experience holy for you? One of the things about powerful questions is they elicit powerful answers. We had tissues on the table. People were moved to tears. I remember women talking about giving birth to their children. People beautifully and eloquently describing experiences of awe and wonder through nature. One person told about holding his friend who had been shot in Vietnam as that friend died. And out of all of this, because people share these powerful stories, these vulnerabilities, they developed deeper relationships with one another. They got more connected to their religious community. They formed friendships that are ongoing today. And out of all this, we as a community, as a religious community, develop a clear sense of calling, of purpose, of that mission, of those ends that you read together earlier. It's a powerful experience. So I hope you'll think about attending... We are a covenantal community. We don't have a set of creeds or beliefs that we all share. So we make promises to one another about how we will be in relationship with one another. And one of those promises is that we will show up. We need your voices in this process. It's how we do our faith. However you are connected to the church, however long you've been here, If you're visiting with us, you are more than welcome to attend one of these sessions. What a great way to get to know people and this church and to learn about whether it might be right for you, or even better, be a part of pointing it in a direction that you might want to join. I think you'll find that attending one of these sessions will be a spiritual experience, that it may well nourish your own soul and connect you more deeply with this community. And your board has made it easy for you. There's a table in the gallery you can visit after the service and get more information and sign up. I look forward to discovering what religious calling you all as a community will discern together. I feel forever blessed to get to mix my calling with all of your callings. We are blessed to be in this one precious life, answering a call together as this beloved religious community. Courage and wonder, envisioning our future together. Why not sign up today? You are hereby called to do so. (laughs) Amen. Please say with me our words for extinguishing the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts 
until we are together again. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.